All right. Can you all hear? I, I guess I'm supposed to be mic'd. My my second uh, second time with a mic, so we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. All right. So we are in Galatians uh, chapter five. Now there were some things uh, Daddy covered last week. Um, who was not here last week? Great. So this will be a at least a halfway good lesson. Uh, <laughs> For those of you that didn't hear Daddy's last week, um, now there were some things with, and and he and I, as as we are aware, and you guys are aware, uh, cover things differently. And there was enough stuff here that we thought um, could uh, could cover some additional things. And by way of just a very brief review, I know he walked through some things last week, but um, uh, the initial chapters of Galatians, of course, have been him arguing for. The, the point that what Christ did on the cross for us was enough. And that we don't need to add anything else to our efforts, uh, or we don't need to add any efforts uh, to try to impress God. That he, God is really not that impressed with our own efforts. He's mainly impressed with what happened with Jesus. And uh, by partaking with Jesus, we don't have to do any of the others. And the, the big deal, of course, as we now know, is that the... Um, there was an influence there in those churches in that region to um, pick up again the tradition of circumcision. And, um, of course, Paul is just all about getting rid of that particular issue, and that's certainly the theme of the whole book. So in, in chapter 5, we see a little bit of a transition. He feels like he's kind of made his point, and now he's going to work out the implications of that. Okay, so this is the okay, I'm not supposed to do circumcision anymore, well, now what? And it's not that he stops making the point, as you'll see in this passage, he continues to make the point, but um, you start to see some of the implications of that. And uh, we're actually going to focus, Daddy spent uh, some time on the latter part of chapter 5, we're actually going to be in the first 15 or 16 verses of chapter 5 here. So we'll just jump on in, in verse 1. It says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Now, a really good preacher could do probably five sermons on that phrase right there. In fact, it has been done. Um, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Uh, it's certainly worth dwelling on that just a little bit. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Now, just as you're hearing that, and as I keep kind of repeating it, you know, this is a class, it's not just a lecture, right? So, does that hit anybody? I mean, do you have any initial response to that? For freedom, Christ has set us free. There's no other way for freedom. Okay, so Christ is the only way to get that freedom. All right. And until then, there was no other way. So prior to Christ, there really wasn't freedom. Great. Anybody else? For freedom, Christ has set us free. So it's kind of interesting, right? So there are certainly a lot of reasons, likely, why God decided to show his grace toward us through what he did through Jesus. And we know that ultimately the, the, it's hard to do much better than 
our Westminster friends um, on what the, the chief purpose of man is, and that is to see God's glory. But from our perspective, one at least of the reasons that Christ set us free was because freedom is a good thing, and we know that God is a good daddy. He likes to give us good gifts. So there's something really good about freedom. It sounds very obvious, but as we'll see, very often we don't choose to enjoy that freedom. In fact, that leads us to the very next phrase. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So if you get this mental image of someone who has been a slave, the shackles come off, what do you picture the first response of that slave to be? Pure joy. Pure joy. And do you picture them wanting to hang out there for a long time? I'm with you. I'm like, I'm hitting the road, right? I am so out of here. I'm so over this slavery thing. I'm gone. So why in the world does Paul have to tell us don't become a slave again. Why would you have to say such a thing? I think there's legalism involved. And the law, obviously. So, legalism and the law. So, how... Well, elaborate on that. They believe that you had to obey the law to the letter right. to be saved. You don't have to do that because Christ has already done that. So what is it, though, that would make him say, don't go being a slave again? He's free from the guilt of his sins because Christ has taken them away. I think it's though because they... He's free from the guilt of his sin. Christ has taken it away. That's all great. But we're creatures of habit. Slavery is predictable. Say that again, Ken. So slavery is predictable and comfortable, no matter how rotten it is. At least you know what you got, right? Was there something? Is that temptation? All right, so you can be tempted to go by maybe um, maybe there's something that seems appealing about what you left behind. Do you have something else? Mary? Sentence says, keep standing firm, which there's obligation there implied to do. So keep standing firm. So I guess you could say that at the very least, Paul says, you're going to have to hold your position as being free. Okay, so it's going to at least, you know, what's the, the Jim Cantori? You know who Jim Cantori is, the Weather Channel guy? The guy who lives to stand in front of a hurricane and the closer waving. You know, I, I don't know what he gets paid to do that, but, you know, he's just a kid wanting to play in the rain. But, but he's resisting. Okay, so there's, there must be some inevitable draw back in to slavery. I think you may have hit on it as much as anything. This is just kind of what humans do. I mean, if 
a Christian. Wouldn't you give in to some So maybe there's some peer pressure there. Maybe they don't invite you to the parties. Okay. So here we have the, 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 the social media uh, explanation. Um, so think about it. Yeah. Well, don't you think there's something, too, about the structure? I mean, even a child, whether he likes it or not, wants you to give him the guardrails. Exactly. And when he says no freedom, the guardrails are down. So he has to admonish them to stand firm. There exactly. are no guardrails now. So, yeah, there, and there's a lot in that. I, I should just say tag, you're it. But, yeah, so we've got this invisible fence that, for our dogs, right? Well, every so often, the lawnmower will hit the wire. But the dogs generally stay in the yard because they remember where the fence was, right? And children, you know, if, if, if there's a playground, they've, they've shown this, that if you've, if you've have a fence, the kids play right up to the edge of the fence. You take the fence down and they actually use way less of the playground. They want that security. So there's some security in tradition, which is kind of what we're talking about in the law. But yeah, humans just do this. I mean, we just left Joshua, who picked up from Moses getting the nation of Israel out of Egypt to the Promised Land. And it wasn't very long, as you'll remember, as soon as the road got rough, Moses had to deal with all the Israelites wanting to go back to Egypt, wanting to go back to slavery. Well, they'd been there 400 years. They had onions. They had leeks in Egypt. Now, I like onions and leeks. I'm not sure I'd want to be a slave just for onions and leeks, but, you know, they started thinking of all those things that... We're just better back as a slave. So, freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, do not submit again to the yoke or to a yoke of slavery. Yeah, I think there's a. Uh, I think all of those things are right, and I, I like especially Ken what you were saying. Um, I've I've been reading this psychology book, um, talking about how the brain works, and I was talking to mom and dad about this the other day that they find out that very often things that we find familiar, we start to think that they're right. Because something's familiar, there's security there and so forth, uh, we start to think it's right. And I submit that there may have been some of that going on here as well. Um, we're getting all the political ads, the, the political corollary to this is if you, if you hear a lie often enough, you'll start to believe it. Um, well, that's why, because it starts to sound familiar and say, you know, that, maybe that's right. I keep hearing it all the time. So they had been just inundated with this message, and Paul admonishes them, um, you're going to have to resist this and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Let's walk on through this. Verse 2. Look, I, Paul, look, this is me, this is me writing you, say that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to, to keep the whole law. You're severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You've fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything 
but only faith working through love. If you accept circumcision, Christ has no advantage. Um, what are you saying if you leave the, the pure gospel, saved by grace through faith? What are you saying? You're basically saying all that Jesus stuff, you know, the whole cross thing, the, the big Easter and the coming out of the tomb and all that. That was, that was nice and all. But it wasn't quite enough. It just, you know, it just wasn't quite enough. I probably need to do some other stuff. Does that kind of sound silly? <laughs> right? But that's, that's in essence what you're saying. You know, God, you know, that was nice and all, but I've got some other stuff I could do. It's silly. Paul's really trying to make the point. The other point he says... Um, you're obligated to keep the whole law if you start this. You know, the, it's just logical. If you if you think circumcision is important, well, well, why not the whole thing? Why don't you just do everything? Why why just circumcision? What makes circumcision so special? He said you've fallen away from grace. Uh, one of the commentators I was reading said, you know, the legalist, the one who who thinks that that he's doing something to earn God's favor. Don't you think in the back of their mind there's always this little bit of a doubt? I wonder if I've done enough. I wonder if I've done enough lately. Um, if you don't mind me telling this story about your dad, Mr. No. Uh, Mr. Nell's dad, Mr. Sedlak, um, was a Christian, simple, upright guy, took care of his family. Um, when his, when uh, Mr. Nell's mom passed away, he remarried. Um, and uh, it so happened that he remarried uh, a gal who was of Jehovah's Witness. So when he passed away, even though we knew that he was with Jesus, uh, we attended these services by the Jehovah's Witnesses. I got to tell you, to go to a funeral that doesn't acknowledge the resurrection of a true Christian is about the most depressing thing you'd ever want to do. And it was all, it, it was like this, well, maybe, maybe he did enough to be one of the chosen ones, maybe. Who wants to sign up for that? I'm sorry, I don't know about y'all, but I know a little bit about me, and Mary knows probably more. I, I, I'm not cutting it, right? Even on a good day, I'm not, you know, and I'm guessing he doesn't just look at your best day, right? Um, You've fallen away from grace. You have no grace. You have no security. If you think that you're just going to do it on your own. I love this verse. For, verse 5. For through the Spirit by faith we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. So what does that tell you? Paul was waiting for righteousness. That means he didn't have it yet. Right? 
Well, of course, there's this whole now and not yet thing in Scripture, right? I mean, God, at the moment of salvation, he considers us righteous. When he looks at us, he sees Jesus' righteousness, and that's enough. But we're not yet righteous completely, right? Sanctification is happening. The Spirit is continuing to work in us. And so by grace, we don't have to we don't have to commit ourselves to the rules. We commit ourselves to a person. And through the work of the Holy Spirit, you know, we're just gotta, we just got to go with him, right? And he continues to work righteousness in us towards sanctification now, and then that'll be complete later. I'm good with that. Showing up, being involved in the process, we'll, we'll hear later about walking by the Spirit. I can, I, can, I can try for that. Because the Holy Spirit is carrying the load, right? Much, much better. 7 through 12 or so. Daddy talked about this. This is a, a gets a little... Um, this is like the sermon... You know, the pastor's preaching a sermon, and he sees some people nodding off, so he wants to wake you up, right? So he, he, he's, he's going to hit them with a little, uh, little PG-13 here, as we saw last week. Uh, you were running well, verse 7. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? So here's a uh, race metaphor, okay? In fact, um, one commentator, uh, Pastor Wright, he says, he said, uh, with this sharp jerky little paragraph, Paul moves from athletics to the courtroom, to the kitchen, to meditation, to a different courtroom, to his own life, to the cross, and then finally to a shocking scene that we'll see. Um, he says, I doubt if the Galatians would have actually gone to sleep while listening to the letter so far, but they certainly would be wide awake after a little sequence like this. So let's walk through this. You're running well. So here's our race metaphor. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Um, apparently the, the word there is, is basically who cut you off um, you know they didn't have track with lanes back then when they would run basically they would run out to a post go around the post and run back so you've got a bunch of them running there it's just, you know you can imagine somebody cutting you off as you came around the post that's, that's what that image is about who hindered you from obeying the truth who cut you off this persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now we're in the kitchen. Have confidence in the Lord. You will take no other view than mine. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whatever it is. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? That's his logic thing. Okay, he's in the courtroom now. So I am still being persecuted. Ergo, I am not preaching circumcision. So there's the whole attorney thing. In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. Verse 12, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Um, so you can write this on your margin. This is, these are the cutting remarks of Paul. We've got cutting in, the race. Without being overly graphic, you could consider circumcision cutting around. And then finally we've got cutting off. I can do the medical part later. You can see me if you need any visual there. 
Um, cutting in, cutting around, cutting off. Are you awake? Paul's saying, you know. Um, it's almost like he's saying, you know, if you guys are into cutting yourself so much, why not just go all in? You know, why stop there? That's, that's what he's saying. Um, he comes back to his point, verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So he starts to make this transition that there's always this fear, right? The legalist, even the, the Christian legalist, is always afraid to latch too much onto grace because he fears that people are just going to run wild and crazy with it. We need a few rules, don't we, Paul? We just need a few well, he's saying, okay, just because you're free, don't use this as an opportunity to go crazy, but through love serve one another. Verse 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This was Leviticus quote, Jesus quoted it, it's good. Verse 15, he recognizes, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So this is a church where sides had been taken, right? So, you know, and people haven't changed over the last 2,000 years. Um, you got in a group, somebody's picking sides, and then it's on, right? And you could pick whatever the fight was about. It was about this. It could be about the carpet. It could be about what new preacher you're going to get. I mean, there's a lot of application here. Um, Watch out that you're not consumed by one another. Let's pick up verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The big idea here is we were set free for freedom. Freedom to do what? What was that? Honor God. To honor God. And he says one of the best ways to do that is through love, serve one another. This whole concept, if you flip to the left a few pages to Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 15, Paul works this concept out in a little bit more detail. I'll read it, but the big idea is, and in fact, I think there was a song, you're going to serve somebody. Everybody's going to serve somebody. You're going to actually be a slave to somebody. And guess what? You got two choices, right? Verse 15, what then now, it, I, let me stop. Here Paul is talking to Romans. In verse 7, guess what he's going to be talking about? He's going to be talking about the law again. About all the stuff he's been telling the Galatians, he's telling this other group, right? People are people, no matter where you live, whether it's in the region of Galatia, region of Rome, still some of the same issues. Uh, pros and cons of the law, what the law can do, what it can't do. That's where he's heading. But verse 15, chapter 6. 
What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? In other words, if you get grace, you're going to go crazy and go sinning. By no means. Verse 16. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you become slaves of the one whom you obey? Let that sink in for a second. Whoever it is that you're obeying, that's who you're a slave to. You're either obedient to sin, which leads to death, or if obedience to righteousness. 17. But thanks be to God that you were once, you who were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. In other words, kind of talking down to you a little bit. Um, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free with regard to righteousness, but what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification, and it's in eternal life. Classic verse, of course, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You're going to serve somebody. You're going to be a slave to somebody. Before you were a Christian, you were a slave to sin. Now that you're a Christian, you don't have to be a slave to sin. Be a slave to Christ. Now, although here the contrast is before Christ and after Christ, and with the Galatians, it's people who are already Christians wanting to go back and pick up that, that religious lifestyle. The, the principle is still the same. We submit ourselves to someone for service. So, he seems to be saying, back to Galatians, it's for freedom that Christ set us free. But it's not just freedom to go do our own thing. It's freedom to serve a benevolent master who wants only the best for us, who knows where our true purpose is, who knows what's going to make us the happiest, who knows what's going to give us peace. And in the process of serving him, I actually, through sanctification, get to be better, closer toward righteousness. And then at the end, he finishes what he starts. That's a much better deal. Um, I read one other thing. I'll just put this in here. Because this commentator talks about what does freedom mean to our culture? And he argues, as, as we'll see, he thinks nowadays we think freedom means freedom to kind of do your own thing but that's not really what he's saying. And he talks about the psychological component of this. And I deal with a lot of this in my practice. So I'm still working out the implications of this. But the commentator uh, says, uh, I'm not opposed to becoming psychologically independent of our parents, of our addictions and our past, so that we become responsible adults. In other words, that's important. But for many, the process of becoming a free-thinking individual, the process of growing up, the pro process of working through one's past, is essence 
is the essence of freedom and the goal of life. In other words, if that's all you're trying to do is to figure out your past, become a better person, you know, get past your addictions, if that's all you're doing, then that's not enough. He says, it is fundamentally important for every individual to look in the mirror and admit who she is, who he or she is, and embrace that person. This is knowing ourselves, but self-knowledge is not biblical freedom. Knowing ourselves is only a step in learning to know who we are before God and learning what we can be through Christ and in the Spirit. Um, the Bible sees psychological health as a product of learning who we are, surrendering our egos to Jesus, which is conversion, and becoming what God wants, which is obedient Christians. He goes on to say, I maintain that psychological freedom is not the goal, but the result of God's grace. We are set free for a reason. So that we can be free to submit ourselves to Jesus, free to work out our true purpose by serving those around us. That is where Paul wants to lead us. Um, I think I'll um, I think I'll pause there. Um, I think it's a good place. Uh, any comments on that? All right. So here's your homework. What is it that you're tempted to go back to Egypt for? What? would be the things you might be enslaved by? What is it that you need to stand firm against so that you can stay in grace and not in the law? All right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that what Jesus did was enough. Father, I pray that through the Holy Spirit you would continue to work in us so that we can look forward to that day of righteousness when everything will be finished. But until then, help us to figure out how we can continue to submit ourselves to you, who knows us and loves us so well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, everybody.